You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host slash producer, Nick Schwert. Nick, do you prefer co-host slash producer or producer slash co-host? You know, Kayla, I'm, I've never really been one to get <laughs> caught up in titles. Call me whatever you want. I'm, I'm a utility man. I'm a glue guy. I can do a little bit of everything. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> just happy to be here. Well, right. wonderful. We have a big game on deck. Travis Kelsey has had this circled since the schedule came out. Um, we talked about it Wednesday, how this one could possibly be bigger than the Bills game. Um, and the trash talk has begun. These teams are aware of how big this game is because we have seen it all throughout the week on social media. As we know, Shaq Barrett took some jabs at the Chiefs O-line before that Bucks game. Then Jeffrey Simmons um, also called out our O-line when we played the Titans. And now Justin Reed has entered the chat. He called out Hayden Hurst. Um, he got him confused. We've got a clip from PJ Green TV on Twitter. Nick, let's play the clip. The big time, like some of the missed tackles, explosive plays, um, a lot of it's going to come down to making the play on the ball, you know, and they have 88 um, Higby. No, it's not, it's not Higby. It was with the Rams. Um, what's his name? It is Higgins. It's Higgins. It's Higby and Higgins. Uh-huh. They're going to have him back. He's a very talented receiver, too. More of a finesse type of guy. Um, not the best blocker. Um, I'm going to lock him down, you know, <laughs> straight up. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have to come out of the game. Like I said, play our best game and go out and do it. Nick, is there anything more humbling than saying, what's his name? <laughs> like, whoa, shots fired. Okay. So I know we're going to get, I know we're going to get into specifics here, but yes. one thing that needs to be brought up about like knowing numbers, if, if you hear enough of players talking about uh, players on other teams, you'll find often they don't know their names and it's not, it's not a sign of disrespect, but when they're doing film sessions with coaches, that's how they talk. They'll say, you know, watch 88 come across the middle here. So they don't spend time figuring out everybody's names when they're doing preparation, they do numbers, but it is funny to hear him say Higby who doesn't even play for the Bengals, <laughs> then go to 88 and say, yeah, that's T Higgins. But guess what? Kayla, T. Higgins doesn't wear number 88. No, he's 85, right? 85. Okay. Number 88 would be the tight end Hayden Hurst. So that was just like a whole bunch of wrong. Yeah. And Justin Reed's not a guy who typically trash talks. Like we don't hear a lot from Justin Reed. Yeah, so, so it, fact- makes, it makes sense too, right? Because he's a safety. So he's not going to be matched up one-on-one <laughs> on any of these wide receivers, but he is going to be going against the tight ends, in this case, Hayden Hurst. 
Um, well, it didn't stop there. Then we have Jamar Chase, who clapped back in a Twitter exchange um, with Justin Reed. He said, let's put some money on it big time. To which Justin replied, y'all welcome for the extra motivation. I'm going to see you Sunday, champ. <laughs> I can't read these. <laughs> then Jamar, Ch- <laughs> then so Jamar Chase goes, tuna in a can. Is that okay. supposed to be? What does that mean? Okay, let's we need to we need to analyze this because I've been trying to figure this out for the past 24 hours. Tuna in a can. I've never heard this reference and I'm not sure what it means. I have a few theories. Should we what? dial up Jessica Simpson? Yeah, maybe so. What was that chicken of the sea? <laughs> am yes. I am I eating chicken or am I eating tuna? It says chicken of the sea. God I love it. reference that we both got by the way, so I love that. We're uh, around the same age, so that makes yeah. sense. So, I think okay, tuna in a can Tuna in a can stinks, right? Is that a diss? Well, right. It's got to be, right? Tuna in a can is smelly, right? So is he saying yes. that he stinks? Or is it like tuna in a can, it's easy to prepare as in like you're going to be easy? Or is it like cat food? Uh, it's easy to get, it's easy to prepare. I can just open the can and give it to the cat. I have no idea. Well, he included a cat emoji too with it. Right, right. So that could be even more of a, more of a diss than, than we're even leading on to be. It's important to note that the first tweet that Jamar Chase responded to was Justin Reed clarifying, saying that, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say Hayden Hurst, but honestly, I'll lock, we're, we're going to lock all of them up. Correct. So my my screen was scrolled up and I missed that part. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's why Jamar Chase came in, because Justin Reed was trying to clarify. But then at the end, he said, but I don't really care because we're locking all of them up. And then Justin at the end said, noted with a gif. It continues on from there, though. That that even wasn't the end of it. Next, we have Hayden Hurst, who's entered the chat. Um, this clip came from Ben Baby on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, you can pick anybody in this locker room, but you know, I feel like I'm the last person you probably want to talk shit about because um, I have a long memory. If you get called out individually, I understand wanting to respond to that. Unfortunately, Hayden Hurst is incorrect in that he would be the last person anybody would want to call out because if I'm just looking at the Bengals roster, uh, let's just go through the guys I would rather not call out than Hayden Hurst. How about Jamar Chase? How about T Higgins? How about Joe Mixon? How about Tyler Boyd? How about Joe Burrow? So Hayden Hurst, actually you're more like sixth instead of being last. (laughs) Is that the right word? Long memory? I know we have short memory. No, I don't Long term memory. I know what he meant, but I don't think that was correct. I don't think it was. So this last talk is not great by these yeah, guys. The, the last one, though, this last clip that we're getting ready to play is my favorite, though, Kayla. Yes. And it is Jamar Chase responding again. This is from Elise Jesse TV on Twitter. Um, I didn't really have no comment about it until he made another comment and said everybody else is going to get locked down. So yeah. that's when I buzzed in to decide to say something on Twitter. Do you think maybe he just hadn't watched enough film on the receivers in Cincinnati? Um, I don't think he's watching film at all. I don't think he knows his personnel um, or whoever he's trying to check or if he's even checking anybody. So it's just he need to go back and watch you know, the film, look at his personnel, look at what he wants to know. So, I mean, yeah. Okay, so let's just recap here really quick. Justin Reed tried to call out Hayden Hurst, got the numbers wrong, went on Twitter to clarify, then said, you know what, I don't really care. We're locking everybody down. 
Jamar Chase claps back. Hayden Hurst comes in and says, I'm the last person you want to be talking trash to. Jamar Chase then asked about it, comes in and says, you know what? I don't think this guy's watching film at all because he doesn't know what he's talking about. So Kayla, my, my very, very simple question for you is, do you like this? We have not seen this at all. Really at any point of the Mahomes era where you have two teams going back and forth talking trash. Now, none of it's getting like really out of hand. It's all friendly trash talk. And I think so far, both sides are kind of warranted in what they're saying. Do you enjoy this as a Chiefs fan, seeing this back and forth between the two teams? You say it's friendly now, Nick. We get to the game Sunday. It is going to be chippy. I already feel it. Um, I do we, like how I'm just, I imagine Andy Reid doesn't love this um, being the guy that he is, but I like this. I like a little fire. What scares me, though, is we saw the Bucs do it. We saw the Titans do it. We beat both. And I don't like us being the ones initiating the trash talk. I like it when someone else initiates and then we shut them up on the field. And especially with this game, I am very nervous. So I just hope that we, you know, convert on the field Sunday. So I like it in that. I feel like we need more of this because ever since Patrick Mahomes became the starting quarterback, I feel like once or twice a year, we have this conversation of now who's the chief's real rival. Is it the chargers? At one point we thought it might be the Ravens. The Titans played you close for a little while. Is it the bills with the, the staying power that they've had in the AFC? And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, the Bengals came and beat you twice in a span of a couple of weeks. And now I'm like, wait a minute, this team that literally a year ago, Kayla, a year ago was not thought of as being one of those legit contenders in the AFC. Now, all of a sudden, there is this disdain for one another that has not really existed for any other team for Kansas City. And you know, the only reason it does exist, it's because they beat you twice. And if Justin Reed, who seems like the most mild-mannered guy on the team, we've never heard him open his mouth in a way like this before, if he's the one leading the charge, what's that tell you? It tells you that he is, he is following the company line. That means that inside that locker room, inside the facility, guys are fired up and they're talking all week about how they want to go out and kick the Bengals' ass this weekend. And I like that for my team. I do. And like you said, yeah. We don't, I don't see, we don't see a bitter rivalry between the Bills. If any team stands out on our schedule the last few seasons, it is the Bengals who we want to beat because like you said, they beat us twice, especially in that AFC championship game, which I'll never get over. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a chippy game. I can already feel it. This is a team that I do, in fact, despise. <laughs> that well, yeah, the Chiefs play. It's fair to despise them. They ended your season in a game that you were up 18 at halftime. You said it last episode. They had no business losing that game. You brought up the Bills. Is it sort of funny that even though for the past two plus seasons, the Chiefs and the Bills have been constantly compared to one another and we've been treated to all these classic games. Isn't it funny that at no point in time have we ever seen those two teams exchange words like there, there have been some chippiness on the field right but we've we've never heard in the lead up to those games 
anybody trash talking. It's more so been about mutual respect. This is the first time where you've seen another team really coming at the Chiefs. And honestly, it makes sense because they're the only team who gets to come with the Chiefs. They ended your season last year. Exactly. If anything, I have respect for the Bills, which is weird because they're the team that I'm most afraid of for the Chiefs. But I and I used to I used to feel this way about the Broncos and Raiders growing up, especially like I was taught to hate the Raiders, be a Raider hater. You didn't like Denver. But now we're like, (laughs) they're not really our competition. So, uh, yeah, this game is going to be fire. We cannot wait. The trash talk is in full force, and I think it's going. We're going definitely going to see it on the field Sunday. It'll it'll play out one hundred percent. All right, enough trash talk for one day. Let's move on. Um, Nick, should we be afraid of Jamar Chase torching this defense again? By all accounts, he will be playing on Sunday. He has hasn't played since Halloween, um, and the team has lost just once since he's been out. Maybe that bodes well for us. I'm not sure. He says he feels great. He's free from pain from that hip injury. The last two games we have played against Jamar Chase, he went off for 17 catches, 320 yards, and four touchdowns. Is that good? That's two games. (laughs) Two games last year. And reminder, he didn't even do a ton in that AFC championship game. I think it was like six catches for 54 yards and a touchdown, but we all remember what he did in that regular season, right? Uh, 11 catches. I think it was 188 yards and three touchdowns. So going back to the trash talk, if there's one guy who's earned the right to talk smack against the chiefs, it's Jamar chase, like straight up. He has embarrassed you. He, he, He has embarrassed your defense. The last two times he's faced you, he's earned every right to have every ounce of confidence going up against this chief chiefs defense. Now the secondary for Kansas city this year is much different than it looked last year. No more Tyron Matthew, no more Dan Sorensen, no more Charvarius Ward. Now you've got trip McDuffie and all of these rookies in the mix and Justin Reed, who I would imagine knowing Joe Burrow and how he carries himself. He's going to try Justin Reed a few times. He's like, you want to talk that talk? Let's find out if you're built for it, right? Let's find out what you're made of because we know Joe Burrow's a gamer too. Yeah. As, far as, as far as Jamar Chase is concerned, I think you have to be. You have to be. This is when healthy. He's been, he's been out with a hip injury for you know the past month, over a month now. And he, it sounds like he could have came back last week, Kayla. It sounds like he was pretty close to coming back. And I would he's imagine... Saving himself. Exactly. Don't you think they were having discussions internally like, you could probably come back this week, but we want you at a hundred percent for the Chiefs game. Absolutely. He was saving himself for this game, and Andy Reid was saying saving those play calls for this week. And we've talked, you know, about the Chiefs defense and how much they've improved across the course of the season and how impressive these rookie cornerbacks have been. Legarius Sneed, I think, is having the best year of his career. This is the biggest test the Chiefs secondary has faced all season. There is no question about it because it's the biggest test that pretty much any secondary will face all year unless you're going up against the Chiefs. The Bengals have the most talented receiver core in the NFL. Like, no question about it. T. Higgins would be a number one on 20 to 25 different teams in the NFL. He's their number two. And he went for 100 against you. (laughs) in the AFC championship game last year. I think Jamar Chase is a top five, maybe a top three receiver 
in the NFL. Like he's right up there with Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill as being the best receiver in football. And he's proven it against you. Am I concerned that he's going to go off again? You bet I'm concerned <laughs> to go off again. I'm not saying that's a guarantee. I'm not saying there's no way the Chiefs can stop him. But this guy is a freak show, and he's proven it against you multiple times. And last year, what was so interesting about him is that it was basically the, you know, the old Tyreek stuff, right? F it, Tyreek's down there somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of how Joe Burrow has played with Jamar Chase over the, the, the first two years of his career, which is I'm just going to chuck it up to him. He's going to go get the ball. But you mentioned you, you mentioned that that they've won without him. They've changed a little bit. They've evolved the same way we talk about the Chiefs evolving with Jamar Chase out. Joe Burrow's kind of had to change his game. They take more underneath stuff. They've been more methodical moving the ball down the field. Like the way that removing Tyree Kill from the Chiefs offense forced Mahomes to involved, the same thing is happening right now with Joe Burrow. And now you bring him back into the mix. This is a really dangerous team that the Chiefs are getting ready to face on Sunday. I still can't pa- get past the fact that they've lost three with him and only one without him. Well, I know you just explained it, but, but no, I feel you're like right. that should be a good thing. And the fact that he's been out for over a month. You know, it's kind of like, you ever notice how when, you know, like a star quarterback will go down, whether it was Dak Prescott earlier this year, or I know he's not a star star quarterback, but, you know, Zach Wilson got benched. Mike White came in for the Jets last week and looked really good. And people are always amazed by this. And, And it makes sense because why would the backup quarterback look so much better? But the reason why that happens so often is that when the backups come in, they just run the offense. They, they're not doing as much ad-libbing. They're not doing out of structure like, hey, let me just go. I'm going to roll out of the pocket and roll out and chuck it downfield. They run the offense that the coaches installed back in training camp. It's being run the way the coaches want it to. So that's why I think sometimes you see teams have success when you take that guy who's really super confident out of the equation. I think that's what's happened with the Bengals is you take your star player out. You can't just drop back and chuck it up to him 12 times a game. And, and that's, it's almost a scary thing for the chiefs now. True. Two follow-ups um, who from the Chiefs secondary, do you want to see step up and have a big game against this receiving core? Well, Justin Reed would be the easy answer, but for me, it's Trent McDuffie, right? You, you traded up in the first round to draft this guy. You let Rashad Fenton go. You traded him to the Falcons right when McDuffie came back. I would imagine because you believe he can be one of the future pillars of this defense, or at the very least, you think he can be a starting cornerback for you. And the Chiefs knew at that point in time, they're competing for a Super Bowl. They knew they're going to have to go through the Bengals and potentially the Bills and potentially the Dolphins. Think about all the firepower those teams have at wide receiver. The Chiefs knew that yeah. when they let Fenton go. That, to me, speaks to the belief that they have in Trent McDuffie. So now is the time to go and earn your paycheck. Now is the time to go and prove to everyone, I'm that dude. There's a reason they traded up to get me. There's a reason they let Rashad Fenton go. It's because I'm capable of playing cornerback at a high level. And so far, the returns on McDuffie have been good. We said this before the Chargers game. It's that times 10. 
this is the biggest test of Trip McDuffie's career. We're going to find out what he's made of on Sunday. So to me, that's my answer. I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's time to see what you're made of, young king. That's right. All right, Nick. With all of this said, what stat line from Chase could you live with on Sunday? <laughs> Man, that's tough. Because he's going to get his. That's what star receivers do. You're not going to just completely shut him down. So as long as it's, it's kind of like back to like the Derrick Henry conversations where we said, mm-hmm. you know, as long as he doesn't run for 150 yards and two touchdowns, I'm okay with chase. It's like, if he gets eight catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown, and that's what star receivers do. So I could live with that. What you can't live with is 150 and two touchdowns. That means he's torching you. That means they're picking on somebody. That means he's just dropping back and chucking it up to him and there's nothing he can do about it. That's how it played out in that regular season game last year. So as crazy as it seems, I'm going to set the number at like, I'm going to set it at 120 yards. Anything (laughs) under than 120 yards and under two touchdowns, I will live with from Jamar Chase. What about you? I don't want to see him in the end zone more than once. Same. Same. I think we'll be good with that. And yeah, around 100, 120 yards. I can live with that. It's the explosive plays too. It's not just about the stat line. It's how many... 40 yard bombs does he catch? Because if you're if if he's having to get little, you know, eight yard chunks, 12 yard chunks, 15 yard chunks, that's okay. What you can't yeah. have him do, like we saw like Devontae Adams in that Raiders game or Mike Mike Williams in the chart. You can't have him running free downfield for 60 yards. Those are the game breakers. So that that to me is just as important as the final numbers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, we're going to head on over to another podcast that is kind of blowing up the podcast world. <laughs> not great for us, but... Well, I don't think... It's not great for a lot of people because uh, it's a very entertaining show. We were never their competition, let's be honest. No. But um, Travis Kelsey and his brother, obviously, on the New Heights podcast. Uh, they had Patrick Mahomes on this week. But first, we're going to play a clip um, where Travis Kelsey admits on this podcast that he's had this game circled since the schedule was released. Let's take a listen. You guys got Chiefs at Bengals going back to Cincinnati. Rematch. You guys get another crack at them. 2021 AFC title game. Playing a team when you know you didn't give them your best. You know, you didn't play your best. It just builds a little bit more. It means a little bit more. And you want to be able to go and and prove yourself to be able to go out there and have success and then find a way to get a win. And sure enough, kind of the way they stopped us in the second half in both of those games. It's been a sour taste in my mouth. Sure. Sure as hell has been that for the entire offseason. So when I saw him on the schedule in December, I kind of circled it, man. I was like, nice. I, I get another hack at a team that I... Don't think I gave my best, man. At the end of the day, they got Joe Burrow. They got a great defense. It's going to be a big challenge for us. You guys better take care of business. I don't want to hear that excuse train coming through the show next week. When you hear Travis Kelsey talk the way he did, what does that tell you about how he's feeling about this game on Sunday? There's a fire lit in this team based on what happened against the Bengals last season. I love this. 
I love that that was the one game he was looking for. Um, I like that he said that he's had a sour taste in his mouth the entire offseason because so have I. So has all of Chiefs, Chiefs Kingdom, I feel like. So glad we're aligned. Glad we're on the same page. Glad that there is a fire lit under these players going into this game in Cincinnati. Yeah, so he said uh, he didn't have a great game versus the Bengals. The first time around in the regular season, he's right. Kelsey in that in that uh, week 17 matchup had five catches for 25 yards and a touchdown. We haven't seen anything like that from him this year. And in the, in the AFC championship game, I don't think he's given himself nearly enough credit. 10 catches, 95 yards for one touchdown. But I guess when you're Travis Kelsey, you just sort of expect to kill everybody. So even if you have 10 for 95, you're probably thinking, well, I should have had 11 for 112 and two touchdowns, right? That's the standard you hold yourself to. Right. Um, yeah, I, based on what we've seen from him this season, I just want him to go off. I want him to have a game that is Raiders-esque, that is Chargers-esque. Again, we play up to our competition, so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, I am too. Especially and after the soundbite. And what's, what's so weird is like we can have the same conversations that we've been having all year with him, which is, well, you know, the Bengals are going to be honed in on stopping him. Well, in theory, it was supposed to be easier to slow down Travis Kelsey this year. That's what everybody talked about in the offseason. Well, with Tyree Kill gone, all the opposing defenses know what, Kelsey, what, what Mahomes is going to want to do. He's just going to want to force feed Kelsey the ball. And you thought, well, maybe that'll force him to get more guys involved. And I guess we are seeing that, right? The Chiefs are the only team in the NFL to have 10 guys with a receiving touchdown just last week. Patrick Mahomes completed a pass to 10 different guys. But the one steady constant has been that even with all of that, Kelsey's having a career year. He is more productive than he has ever been at any point in his career. So I am left to believe that there is only so much you can do about Travis Kelsey. Like we have not seen anybody this year, no, not one team find a way to slow him down. So if that's the case, I guess that I'm just going to have to assume that now that he's extra motivated, that he's been thinking about this game since the schedule was released earlier this spring, that he is going to have a monster game. Please let that happen somewhere. Cody is yelling. Travis Kelsey doesn't age. Yeah, he is. That's exactly what he's saying. He's screaming it to his wife and kids right now. And they're saying, sweetie, you're not, you're off this week. You don't have to <laughs> tell us that. And we don't care. You know what? We, you know, what? here's the thing though. Knowing like, there's one thing that I don't think Travis Kelsey has gotten enough credit for over the course of his career is that you know, early in, in the, in his NFL career, he sort of had a reputation for being a bit of a bonehead, right? He made a lot of silly mistakes off the field. He was heavily penalized on yeah. the field kind of got the stigma of being immature. A little hothead, yeah. Yeah, and and I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit for the maturity and in, in, in turning himself into one of the leaders on this team. Like, he is one of the guys who people respect and look up to in that locker room. So let's just imagine a scenario where he doesn't have a big game. If that's the way that he's feeling about this game, then you better believe he's getting that message across to everybody else in that locker room or to everybody else in that tight end room or to everybody in that wide receiver room. Because maybe not at, like, look at the wide receiver court. Juju wasn't here. 
MVS wasn't here. Sky Moore, Justin Watson, these guys weren't on this team a year ago. So they don't maybe have that same bad taste in their mouth from losing to Cincinnati twice. So that's why I go back to those Justin Reed comments. Justin Reed wasn't on this team last year, but he's talking smack about the Bengals. Why do you think that is? Because guys like Travis Kelsey are letting everybody in that locker room know we are not losing to this team three times. So to me, it's less about like, oh, I'm going to go out and have a big game. And more about everybody in that locker room knows how massive of a game this is for us. That is such a good point you make, Nick. Kelsey's had a great glow up or grow up, should we say? Oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. That's the thing. Like, we don't ever talk about that, do we? We don't talk about team leader, him turning into to a leader and, and sort of having that maturation process. But it's I mean, he's one of the guys. I mean, he is, I believe the longest tenured player on the team. I think you're right. He's got to be. I don't know who else. I mean, James Winchester, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who else it would be, but yeah, he's, he's him and Chris Jones and like yeah. those guys have been there through it all. There's only, I believe four guys who are even on the Super Bowl team. So he's, he's one of the guys people look to. Even when I went to that Chargers game and was on the sidelines for warmups, he was the first one out on the field, like firing everybody up. You love to see that. Love it. All right. Back to the New Heights podcast. By the way, do we think we can get the Kelsey brothers on here? <laughs> well, if we can't get if we can't get Travis, I'll settle for Jason because he's winning as well. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder what their house was like growing up. Well, go listen to their episode. They, they go listen to one of their early episodes. They've talked about it. And it sounds like it was mayhem. God bless Donna Kelsey. <laughs> All right. Um, as we said, they had Patrick Mahomes on as their guest. They've been trying to get him on. Um, and he admitted on the podcast that Matt Nagy actually helped him get drafted by the Chiefs. So you all can hate all you want on Matt Nagy, but we should all be bowing down and thanking him. We have that clip, too. The first day that I met Coach Reed was at the facility. We had like the uh, meetings, like the top 30 visits. So I was in there for like five hours. He's just going through plays, going through plays. And uh, I'm going to give you all the inside scoop. Uh, Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator then, he really liked me. So he gave me the plays they were going to go over the night before. So Coach Reed's finding out here live on New Heights Podcast. Oh my gosh. Matt (laughs) Nagy! How could you? Let's go. And yeah. So, of course, I crushed the meeting. I stayed up all night studying those plays. It's like, man, this kid is locked in. We got ourselves a winner here. <laughs> As the process went on, I got a feeling that I was kind of going up in the draft. I had a couple of teams that said they were going to draft me. And they're, I mean, that's true. Like, it's not like these coaches are making that up. I talked to them. Uh, during the draft process, and they were like, "Hey, if you're there, we're gonna we're gonna take you." I kind of gave a little inside info to the the Chiefs, and I was like, "Hey, if y'all let me go anywhere below at the time, I didn't know about the Saints, but I was like, if y'all let me go twelve or below, I'm gonna get drafted by someone else." You drafted yourself, and so I gave the Chiefs a little bit of in, a little Kansas bit of, a little bit of info on that because I wanted to be here. Nick, that is wild inside information. This reminds me of the time where I got dirty rushed by DGs during Russia Mizzou. <laughs> I don't, I have, I honestly, Same thing. I have no idea what you just said, Kayla. Like that was a foreign language that you just spoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's frowned upon. It's technically illegal during rush, but sororities do it. Is that like tampering in the NFL when you talk about when you talk to a player on another team or something? Maybe. Yeah. It's when you're going through rush. People who are already in the sorority aren't allowed to like 
do things outside of Rush to persuade you to join their sorority. We're getting so oh. off track. Um, okay. This is great. I danced with some girls on Golden Girls who were DGs and Kappas, and I got dirty rushed by DG, but then okay, I went Kappa. So, so in this scenario, you were like Patrick Mahomes before the draft. Like Correct. many different teams wanted you. Mm-hmm. So. And Matt Nagy was the DGs who was like, hey, <laughs> here's our plays ahead of time. So you know them. <laughs> That's actually great. I love that comparison. Um, okay, so let's start first with Matt Nagy here, right? Yes. Okay. So Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator, goes and gets the Bears job. Things didn't work out great. I mean, he had a nice little run there at the beginning with Mitch Trubisky. Things fell apart. Chiefs bring him back in. Now he's sort of uh, the quarterback whisperer, I like to call him. You always see, by the way, whenever they're on the sidelines showing Mahomes, you know, looking at the tablet, going over plays, it's Nagy who's sitting right next to him. Think about that, by the way. We've given, and I'm not, and we've given so much credit to, you know, actually it was John Dorsey, the GM who drafted right. him. And then it was Brett Veach, the one who was really hammering it hard. Andy Reid probably gave the final okay. No, 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 no. It was Matt Nagy who got who back knew? to Kansas City. Think about that. Think about that. He liked him so much that he was going to be willing to let him cheat the process so that he would in- impress the guys who are actually going to have to make the decision. Matt Nagy deserves a statue in Kansas city for that. 100% right outside Arrowhead stadium. Do you think he's bitter that he has never gotten credit for that? I don't know because you know, he was the, he was the OC. Well, wait, did he even OC? No, cause he was the OC with Alex Smith. So he got the yeah. job, I believe after he got the OC job and then, then went and took the bears job the same year that, uh, Mahomes took over as quarterback. So he would never was actually his OC. Didn't even get to witness the fruits of his labor. No. So it's not even, it wouldn't even be accurate to say that drafting Patrick Mahomes got him the Bears job. He got the Bears job for what he did with Alex Smith, the quarterback. Nonetheless, what it has done is probably earned himself a lifetime friendship with Patrick Mahomes. Right. <laughs> Like I'm sure I'm sure the second that Nagy became available, they're like, let's get him back in here. And Mahomes is like, that's my boy. And that's so, you know, what's so funny is I believe Mahomes when he said, yeah, oh, by the way, uh, Andy Reid, you're finding out about this for the first time right now. So the whole time Andy Reid's been operating under the assumption <laughs> that Mahomes just aced that test. And he just found out <laughs> Nagy gave him the plays the whole time. That's so awesome. I'm going to need a follow up response from Andy Reid on this. But it also lost in that is that Mahomes, like Kelsey pointed out there in the podcast, Mahomes drafted himself. Like he told the Chiefs, hey, I want to be here. These teams are going to draft me, so please draft me. What can't he do? Drafted himself. Who does that? Well, I mean, granted, I'd rather be with the Chiefs than the Saints or... What other teams said that they were going to trade up for him? Uh, The Bills talked about wanting to trade up for him. Um, there've been like nine teams that have come out since the draft and said, that, Oh yeah, if, if Mahomes would have came to us, we would have got him. Nope. It was the chiefs who ended up making that call. Thanks to Matt Nagy and Patrick Mahomes himself. I love that. He wanted to be a chief so bad. Well, I wonder how much of like what Nagy did for him made him want to be a chief. Right. Because if, if somebody does that for you, you're sitting there saying, wow, they really like me. Because we had Alex Smith, so he didn't know how long it was going to be until he'd actually see the field. 
No, I mean, he had to have an idea that, like, if I get drafted to Kansas City, I'm going to have to sit for a year. But he still, despite that, wanted to be a part of this organization. That says something. And that is why we will be eternally grateful to Matt Nagy and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> love this so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, as we get closer to Sunday, Nick, do you think Joe Burrow deserves to be in the same conversation with Mahomes and Allen? You know, it's so funny because he never gets brought up with those guys. He did last year, but not so much this year, I feel like. Well, he did at the end of the year because what was happening last year was that Mahomes and Allen were sort of on this island of these are the two top dogs, much like they, they still are this year. And then, because last year, remember, it was Brady and Rodgers were still playing great football. So you had like these old, the old guard, and then you had the new up-and-comers, even though Mahomes already had a title, but they were still thought of as, as being the young kids. And then Burrow was on this different level with Justin Herbert, right? Of being the guys who are just entering the league and on this ascension and to, you know, just getting started in their NFL careers. Nobody saw, I try to remind myself of this all the time. Nobody saw that coming from the Bengals in the postseason. Mm -hmm. They went white hot at the end of the regular season just to win their division. Like they were not thought of as a Super Bowl contender at this point last year. They got, they got scorching hot at the end of the regular season. They end up winning the AFC North. And then they go on that incredible run through the AFC playoffs. So that was really the only point by the end of the year when we started talking about Joe Burrow being one of these dudes. But statistically, you know, he had a few more interceptions than, than some of the elite quarterbacks and he got sacked so much. And you started to wonder, okay, is his offensive line just bad or does he hold on to the ball too long? He wasn't thought of as being this can't miss unbelievable talent who can do everything. Because that's the other part of it. When you think about Mahomes and Allen, what do we always say? Like the physical gifts. Right. They'll throw it a mile. With Allen, it's his running ability. With Mahomes, it's the creativity that he has throwing the ball. I don't really say that about Joe Burrow. He's not, he's not a great athlete. He doesn't make these crazy shovel passes, sidearm throws, no looks. He doesn't do any of that. He's just more of your typical old school. I'm just going to sit back here and process and dice you up and the deep ball, right? Like he throws a great deep ball, hitting Jamar chase, hitting T Higgins. He's just, it's more between the ears with him than it is all of the physical gifts, which I think is why he doesn't get brought up with those dudes. But at what point do we not value what he did in the postseason? He's done more than Allen has. <laughs> He beat you in the playoffs. And He's been to a Super Bowl. Remember going into last year when it lined up? I think we talked about this on Monday. But remember going into the, 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 the beginning of the regular season last year? And you knew the Chiefs were going to play the Chargers. They were going to play the Bills. They were going to play the Titans. They were going to play the Ravens. And we thought, man, if the Chiefs beat all these teams again, it starts to get in their head. You're going to feel like the Chiefs own you, like we're never going to be able to beat them. And then what happened? All those teams beat him. Mm -hmm. They got that monkey off their back. The Bengals weren't in the conversation at that time, but even when they beat them early in the season, what did we say? Do it in the playoffs. Yep. Wait till we see in the postseason. Burrow did it in postseason. 
And now all of a sudden, even though like he's never going to have the numbers because I don't think he cares about the numbers the way some other guys do. He'll, he'll take sacks. He's been sacked 33 times, Kayla. That's fourth in the NFL. Rough he'll, and tumble dude. He does. And he just doesn't care. Like, and he'll, and he'll throw maybe a few more picks because he's a bit of a, a risk taker, but he, there's just something to be said for being a gamer. Like he knows how to win football games. And I know like, like he may never win MVP because he may never have the stats that some of these other guys do, or at least the efficiency stats that some of these other guys do. But I think I'm there with him. Really? I, really do. I do because you're like, he, we're never going to respect him from a talent point of view. And that's too bad. But at some point you have to respect the fact that he wins games and he wins big games. And if that doesn't matter, then like, what is the point of any of this? So like if winning isn't the ultimate Testament to how good you are as a quarterback, then like, what, like, what are we actually talking about here when we're evaluating these guys? Do you not have him on that level quite yet? I don't. And I hope I don't regret saying this. <laughs> okay. So, so where I is would say, I would say get to a Super Bowl, but he's done that. So my next argument is win a Super Bowl and win MVP. Um, but, I'm still but not Josh ready to. Allen, but Josh Allen hasn't done any of that. True. So that's why it's Patrick and everyone else. <laughs> okay. So okay. Okay. So that, there we go. So you have Patrick on his own tier, followed by Josh Allen, followed by Burrow and the rest. I just I can't do it yet. I need to see more consistency over the next few seasons and. I don't know, more AFC championships and trips to the Super Bowl in order to put you in that category. But like you said, Allen hasn't been there either. So, but we know what Allen's capable of doing. Like you said, he's a playmaker. He frazzles and dazzles us on the field. Whereas Joe Burrow is, yes, again, more old school and doesn't do the the tricks that these other two do yeah. that we like seeing. And that makes it more interesting. You know what else? He's just cool. And you get style points in my book. He's cool. Okay. Well, yes. He wins in the in the swagger category for sure. All right. Are we ready for our game predictions? Let's do it. You want to go first or do, do it? Okay. It doesn't matter. I, I'll go first, I guess. Okay. Um let's see here. I'm going because this has been a three-point difference. In both games last season, I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Bengals 28. I'm still coming out with a Chiefs win. <sighs> I'm just so nervous about the second half. Fair. We led. We led 2017 at the half on that game on January 2nd, got outscored 17 to 3 in the second. We led 21 to 10 on that game on the 30th and got outscored 17 to 3 in the second half and OT. We just got to show up in the second half. Moral of the story. Yes. And one thing that has been really cool about this, this chiefs defense is they have locked in in the second half. It's very clear that Steve Spagnuolo just says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to plan our heels a little bit. We're going to figure out what you're doing early on in the game. And then by the time we figure out your game plan, we lock in. I believe the chiefs have given up three second half touchdowns in their last four games. That is, that is really solid. But again, this is the best offense you're going to play all year long. All right. So uh, my prediction, I'm going to go, I'm going to, st- I'm going to stick with a close game like yourself. I'm going to say Chiefs 27, Bengals 24. And I think my player of the game is going to be Carlos Dunlap in his homecoming to Cincinnati. Woo! His first time back in Cincy, the team he spent the first 10 years of his career with. 
since being traded back in 2020. And if you remember, it was a pretty ugly split. He got benched. He started putting tweets out there saying he was selling his house. He was uh, he was getting in sideline spats with coaches. This guy's second all time in sacks in Bengals history. I think he is going to be highly motivated for this game. And for a guy who's got, I think, four sacks on the season, second on the team, I'm going to say, let's say one and a half sacks for Carlos Dunbar. Hey, the Chiefs are fifth in the league in sacks. Joe Burrow's fourth in the league in most sacks. So this seems like a perfect storm for this Chiefs pass rush to get after the quarterback. And who better to do it than a guy who knows Cincinnati very well. So Carlos Dunlap coming up big in his homecoming. Chiefs win. You pick the same score as the AFC Championship game, but reverse the time. Hey, no overtime this time, all right? No OT, please. Yeah. I forgot to pick a player. Um, I guess, do I say Trent McDuffie? That's a good one. I mean, if he's the player of the game, then people are going to be very excited about his future in Kansas City. I'll tell you that much. Player of the game. Uh, I always go offense. Well, then that's good. You're switching it up. Do I say Kelsey? I, I said him for Chargers. No, I like I said Pacheco last week. No, stick with your gut. Your gut said Trent McDuffie. I say go with it. Okay. We'll go McDuffie on defense, Kelsey on offense. How about that? There you go. Love it. Boom. All right. Well, we are all anxiously awaiting to see what will happen on Saturday. That's going to do it for us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. He is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canaram. Hope you all have a great weekend. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And we will be back with you all on Monday. 